Welcome to the next podcast from Millinery Info. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie. Thank you for joining me for this episode today with Shandana de la Riviere. Shandana was the winner of the Dutch hat competition in 2020 with her piece, Celestial Dimensions. She works under the brand Atelier of Fashion and Art and brand name Shandana. Thank you to our wonderful podcast sponsors today for making this episode possible. Our sponsors are Be Unique Millinery, House for Dawn, The Essential Hat, That Millinery, Hatters Millinery Supplies, Lifted Millinery, Hat Academy, Hats by Lico, Hat Mags, Marie D'Anthony Millinery, Louise McDonald Milliner, The Millinery Association of Australia. We're very excited to welcome Judith M Millinery Supply House as our latest podcast sponsor. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes, which is on your podcast app or through our website. If you've been enjoying listening to this podcast series, I invite you to show your support through becoming a Patreon sponsor. There are two tiers available, a podcast sponsor or a supporter. You can find out more and sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash info. I hope you enjoyed this episode today with Shandana. Thank you to Shandana from the Atelier of Fashion and Art for joining us today. Thank you so much for being here. It's going to be lovely to speak hats with you. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) I like to start off with the question of how did you become involved with millinery? Okay, that's very interesting because um, I was doing uh, like fashion designing. So I was a fashion designer and I was focusing mainly on garments and bags. But uh, then I had this photo shoot and uh, my photographer and the stylist, she requested, can you do a headpiece to go with it? And I created this like really sculpture, big uh, kind of like butterflies uh, headpiece. And that got, uh, we got the photo shoot done. And when the pictures were online, then uh, some people, they wanted to buy the headpiece. And uh, so that happened. So I sold the headpiece immediately. And then for the next photo shoot, we did again some headpieces and they were immediately, they went, we didn't even put them on sale. We just started getting inquiries about them. Wow. Uh, (laughs) So, and then I thought, wow, they're selling very well. Maybe I could like, you know, put them on. So I started putting my headpieces on Etsy then. And they they were like selling just immediately. Uh, So then I thought, oh, maybe I should, I'm the kind of person I like to then learn things properly and dig deeper. And in fact, if I can say that learning new things is what motivates me. So that was like a natural thing for me. Oh, hat making. I didn't even know the word millinery back then. So I just uh, went on and like, how do I learn about hat making? So Google things. And um, I have to say, uh, uh, there a lot where courses were in London. And though London is very close to me, and uh, but the thing is, I have a health condition, like a chronic health condition. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was quite bad. So I couldn't really travel or anything. So I thought, okay, online. And I found the Hat Academy. Wonderful. And I was like so excited. I was like, oh my God, so many amazing milliners 
from all around the world they are teaching online and the videos and everything that was really professional so i have to say that's like my main training i got from the hat academy at first and uh, then after that i went to london to attend some short courses um, for me the natural thing was to look at my uh, fashion college the central saint martin's as like do they have any hat making courses so i saw that central saint martin's was offering uh, some short courses so i went on that and i trained with jane friars uh, she does a lot of fish leather, you know, that's what she's known for. But she taught me blocking felt and blocking cinema and, you know, the basic things. I already knew those from uh, the Hat Academy, but it was good to get like, you know, the in-person training as well. So that's how I started and I'm still learning. I'm always like, I love, you know, the great thing about this maybe I shouldn't say this, but like about this lockdown and the whole thing. It's like so many people started teaching online and uh, it was just very easy to get those Zoom uh, sessions and all those video training. So it has been a good year, like training wise for me. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's what if we've been able to have access to a whole range of classes that you might not otherwise have been able to attend. Exactly, like especially the amazing Australian millionaires, like, you know, some of them have uh, taught on the Hat Academy, but some didn't and I always wanted. In fact, like that was probably, that's probably my main motivation if I come to Australia would be to <laughs> learn from some of these millionaires. So that was really great. Yeah. Got and you. how did you find the... Um the transition of learning through Hat Academy, which is a, you know, an online course, um, you were already had a background in textile and garments. Um, and then when you went into Jane's class, what was that transition transition like? Did you find the skills transferred or were, was there something you, you picked up that in the hands-on class that you weren't getting from the online space? Uh, yeah, the hands-on class, the thing was that you could ask questions like right away if there was something or like the very fine stitches like that you need for these uh, model millinery and Jane knew all those and uh, it's I mean they had to guide me they teach those but you can't really actually see and then when you're doing it yourself that's where you really need help so you know I would get those kind of like very fine detail things. Mm -hmm. So that that was main. And because I come from like a fashion designing background, for me, it was mostly like pattern cutting. I I'm, don't really like like fashion flat pattern cutting. I'm mostly, even when I'm doing garments, I do draping on the stand. So it's kind of very sculpture for me. So that's what I loved about millinery. It's kind of very sculpture you're creating something on the mold or you're creating something so you're molding something you're doing and sculpture uh, in fine art as well i i've always been interested in art so whenever like i do a lot of go to sculptural exhibitions and stuff so for me i i love that aspect of millinery did yes. you study fashion design um through college 
yes, I. Uh, that's also uh, <laughs> an interesting story. But my background is totally, totally different. I've always been very creative and into fashion, and my mother used to sew. So even like as a child or in school, I used to tell her, "Can you make it like this?" Or give her my own designs, and I would be wearing my own designs all the time. But uh, the thing is, because I come from an Asian background, so going into arts and humanities, it's kind of like frowned upon. It's like uh, my father would say, yeah, you can do it on the side, but that's not really education. You know, that's something. Uh, so my father's a civil engineer and mm -hmm. they wanted me to, everyone in my family is either an engineer or a doctor. So my mother wanted me to go to medical school. And if you are a good student, I was also great at studies. Like I won several uh, gold medals and top this and that. So that was like a natural thing for me to go to medical school or engineering college. Or, um, but I said, no, I don't want to go. I, I hate chemistry. I don't want to study it and uh, I'll have to go induce chemistry or these things and uh, I want to do something different so as my little rebellion because I couldn't go to arts or the creative field I went to enroll in business so I did BBA and then came here to uh, or MBA and uh, that was something nobody had done in my family so I was like you know, that was my rebellion. Um, <laughs> and then even though I'm not really a business person, even though, uh, I mean, when I get into something, I really want to learn about it. So uh, then I decided to do a PhD. So uh, I have a PhD in mergers and acquisitions. <laughs> wow. So which is a very, you know, <laughs> totally corporate, totally, um, but even for, for that, for my PhD, I did a lot of interdisciplinary research. So I love getting into other fields and learning about other things. So it's kind of, um, so I was working in that field as a researcher and then as an academic, I, I just started when I fell ill. So I, from one day to the next, I just couldn't move. I couldn't get mm. up from bed. And I had like chronic pain mm. and uh, doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. All the tests would mm. come up negative. Nothing was, uh, uh, and uh, so I was totally bed bound for like six years, completely bed bound. And uh, so obviously had to give up my career and everything. Uh, eventually doctors figured out it's kind of like a neurological condition, chronic mm -hmm. pain all over the body called fibromyalgia. And uh, when they, once they figured out, we tried out different medication and treatments and started getting better. Uh, and that was the time when I thought, okay, I don't want to go back to, you know, mergers and acquisitions. I want to do something that I truly love. And by then I was married and, and my husband really encouraged me to go and study fashion design, oh, which is something I was really excited about. So then I went to, uh, even back then I couldn't do like a long full course so again i went on to several like short or 
like a month long or six months or that kind of uh, different courses. So uh, basically mainly St. Martin's is where I studied. So, um, so that's how my journey into the creative field started. So it's very, uh, you know, kind of like a, you could say it was fate, you could say, you know, like as they say, a cliched saying, <laughs> every cloud has a silver lining. So that came very true in my case. Yes. And I'm so, so happy because now when I work, I just love every second of it, you know? So <laughs> that's amazing. And do you create um, garments and dresses um, paired with hats or how do you work your business in terms of the the clothing and the headwear okay so I started with clothing and I was uh, uh, again doing a very interdisciplinary kind of thing I started with merging fine art into textiles uh, and then I discovered sculpture and I was like so into the draping and sculpture aspect so I started playing with materials and I introduced kind of like industrial polymers that they use in building things into fashion design. So that became my niche thing. Uh, and that was when I got introduced to, you know, the millinery word. So I totally changed my business model. I thought garments, you need so many different sizes. You need such huge to get to a proper business, you need huge investment into that. And uh, it, because of my health issues as well, if I sit at a sewing machine or for flat pattern cutting for so long, uh, I start getting a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And millinery was what gave me everything that I wanted to do. It gave me the sculptural aspect. It gave me the opportunity to play with different materials. It gave me the opportunity to bring in my interest in science and uh, theoretical physics. And it's very ironic. It, it's really, my mother keeps laughing at me. She said, you didn't want to go into medicine because you had to study chemistry, some bits <laughs> of chemistry for it. And then you went on to study chemistry for fashion design. So I actually went on a chemistry course to learn like biochemistry and things to do for hats and to do for garments. And so uh, now I, you know, bring in everything. So that's why I'm now mainly focused on um, millinery or accessories. I do some bags and jewelry as well to go with my millinery. Uh, so that's what I'm mainly focused on. I sometimes do garments, but for myself or for friends. So not really for. Uh, and so. how did you come to the concept of combining those polymers into uh, what, what's now a textile product? Oh, I don't know how. I, As I said, I'm always, I think it's probably the PhD research training or something, I'm always exploring something new. And uh, because um, when I'm working, I'm always listening to like audiobooks. So I'd be listening to something with uh, theoretical physics is my main interest or neuroscience and things like that. And then I want to achieve a certain look 
And I can't do that with existing materials. So I start looking at, oh, um, this person said something like that in the book, or I saw something like this uh, used in architecture, as I said, because my brother is a civil engineer. There's so many engineers in my family. And if I hear them talk about something, or if I hear them mention, and my sister's a doctor. So we're always talking about these things. And I ask them, uh, do you know something like that could achieve this thing? And they say, oh, maybe you could look at uh, this polyester resin. You know, people use that for... So that's how I came to know about fiberglass, about resins, about polymers, and, uh, you know, and these things. So I went on to a course in <laughs> material. I got a, sci a science course, a chemistry course, if we're not mistaken. <laughs> no, the chemistry course I did before in order to be able to print on leather for my bags. So that was before that. Then I went to a private tuition in material science in order to learn about these polymers and how to use them. <laughs> So then I learned a lot more. And uh, so that's how oh, it started. Cool. Yes. Uh, so, I, so that's how it started. And that was after I started doing things with them, I started thinking, oh, they're great, but they're not very sustainable. If it's plastic at the end of the day, it's, and I was also, as reading a lot of books on environmental uh, things and what we are facing at the moment. So now I'm looking into how to achieve the same look, the same properties, but with more uh, sustainable materials. So I am playing with the bioplastics and experimenting. It's a very experimental stage at the moment. I haven't been able to create like something that is entirely, you know, bio or entirely grown in a lab or something. But That's such an interesting use of materials. And well, keep us, keep us posted because we'd love to see what yes. the end result is in that. That's, that's yes. fascinating. Um, these finishes you talk about featured in um, an award-winning piece that you made. You um, won the Dutch Hat Association competition. The theme was heavenly. Could you tell us a little bit about that piece, what, what the theme inspired for you and how you went about creating the piece? Oh, uh, so I, I love uh, these uh, millinery competitions because uh, it gives me a chance to look into something new or to learn a new technique or to, I give myself a challenge. Okay, with this one, you have to create something that you haven't done before. You know, because now that I'm in millinery, I get these uh, orders or commissions and I have to redo some of the things that I've done before. So uh, the competitions and the themes, they spark a kind of like a new idea or a concept. So when I saw the heavenly hats, um, as I said, I'm very much into fine art as well. So I was uh, familiar with this uh, Dutch and because it was a Dutch competition. So maybe that's why it, I started thinking about Dutch artists. So, uh, and then because she is a female artist, Rachel Reich, um, I love her uh, floral stills on these dark black 
backgrounds. And when I saw the team, uh, I thought, oh, that's heavenly. So maybe I should do something floral on a dark uh, background or something in that vein, inspired by Rachel Roish. So I created this uh, dark background uh, again in these uh, polymers. And uh, I also made some like birds to go on there. Uh, so if you look at the piece very closely, you may see some very blue there. That was the bird that I initially started with. So I uh, do a lot of digital work as well. So I uh, did some digital art, painted it, and then made it in polymer, put it in. Um, and at the same time, as I said, I'm always listening to some book. So I was listening to the book called Parallel Words by Michio Kaku. Uh, and uh, they talk about, uh, you know, parallel universes and black holes. And so that took me totally like when I'm creating a piece, I don't stick to any drawing. I don't have like, I let the material and the process guide me. So it just started changing and became very much into these very um, celestial and uh, different words and universes we haven't explored yet and things like that. So I started then uh, putting in mylar film and uh, some gold leaf. And so it became very celestial. So that's why I call it then the celestial dimension. So the uh, inspiration started from a very different, a very totally different area like fine art. And then it went to theoretical physics. And <laughs> so, so that's how uh, it went on and when the piece was um, done I really loved it it was um, I loved it myself it was and also put kind of like a, because I was working with the floral theme first I had this uh, poem by I'm also heavily into poetry and literature as well so this poem by William Blake uh, so I'm glad that the judges saw all those things, like yes. because of the comments when I received those, they said, oh, there was uh, like so many different things in there, uh, in the piece. So they could see there was like a clear kind of uh, bioplastic where I had encased a poem in there. Um, so that was uh, good. And I'm glad, uh, I'm so happy. It was like truly charming. <laughs> it's such a beautiful piece and that um theme of poetry and inclusion of um language you um feature in a few of your pieces I've seen a uh for the London Hat Week display you had a, a mirrored bird that had etching on it is that correct yes yes yeah so it, it heavily because I say I always think we shouldn't make anything unless it's something meaningful, unless it's something, uh, that's why I focus on the Shandana brand because that is my non-commercial brand where I create pieces that are one-off. Uh, and because as you said, text and poetry, uh, so different things from the books I've read, it would either be a quote that just sticks with me or a poem that sticks with me. 
So uh, that was like a bird, an eagle I made, uh, and it's uh, laser cut in uh, mirrored acrylic. And there's a poem etched on it, which is like the eagle. Uh, the poem is called The Eagle, so it's a beautiful poem. And uh, yeah, I saw uh, that one, uh, one of my clients wore it to Ascot, and then it got featured in The Guardian. They okay. showed it and they noticed the poem. They said, see, there's a poem on this hat. So <laughs> it's such a um, beautiful marriage of textile and literature. That's amazing. Um, so these are all very. Um, unique millinery materials in a way. What does your studio space look like? Oh my God, my studio space is all over the house. Like I initially started from, uh, my husband has a home office upstairs. I have my atelier downstairs. Yeah. So that's where uh, I initially started like with my garments and everything. Then I went into bags, then I went into hats. So I have so many materials uh, and so many different things. So then that became my uh, hoarding space, <laughs> like my... <laughs> Everything was like all my materials started taking up the whole space. So there was no space left for me. So I started expanding into the dining room um, or to the garden. Like there, there are things I do in the garden, like if I'm working with feathers and they go everywhere. So I like just sitting in my garden working with feathers or... Um, and then, uh, so we, and then when I started working with these other materials, because you need such a controlled environment for it. You need a certain temperature, you need a certain level of humidity. Um, and sometimes because I work with industrial chemicals, you need a good flow and outflow of air. So that's why we set up um, this lab in my garage. So I've taken over our <laughs> garage for um there's my lab in there yes. and that has like state-of-the-art all systems there so uh, that's where i work on my materials but if i'm suppose i'm blocking uh or something that i would i do in my atelier which is also my hoarding space uh if i have to do like something that uh also, a lot of th my things are weather dependent. So uh, like if it's raining, there's a lot of humidity, even though I have controls in my lab, it's not, uh, I can't entirely control it. So on a very rainy day, I can't work with materials. So I'd work indoors with something. Um, and uh, sometimes I would put things to cure in my living room. So uh, my husband is saying, oh, uh, you know what? Sometimes he, he says, Oh, uh, when he's referring to a dining room, you know, the place where, which used to be called a dining room, <laughs> that's where, <laughs> so I have now uh, some things set up in the dining room as well. So it's like all over the place. And when you're making, um, are you creating a collection or are you making one-off pieces? How do you plan what you're, what you're going to create next? Um, so, as I said, I have these two uh, brands, Atelier Fashion and Art, where I make um, mainly for Kentucky Derby, Melbourne, all the races, Escort, and other events. So 
uh, and commission like bespoke pieces as well. Um, so that is when I would repeat my things, the things that I've already created and I could like customize it for customers. Um, and then there is my Shandana brand. So it depends if I have orders, um, I would work on those things. And I don't say I don't love those ones. I love the traditional millinery materials as well. I love working with my hands, especially hand stitching. That is something I truly love. Um, so that kind of like very therapeutic process in that as well. So if I have orders, I'd work on those. But if I don't have orders, I'm basically exploring something new. It would either be a concept. Uh, things are going in parallel in my, uh, you know, I don't have like, okay, I start this and then I go like this. Um, so I would be working with a material. If I let it to cure one layer, then I'd be doing something else in the meantime, either some research, either cooking up some new idea in my head or experimenting with a new material or working on traditional millinery things. Like I normally, you know, when I create my, even the uh, very avant-garde, very unique material stuff, um, I use traditional materials from millinery and uh, I would make a nice uh, base for it to sit on or to, you know, so uh, at the moment, <laughs> because the year was so like there were no orders yes. at all. Uh, so I had a lot of time to work on some crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the moment, I'm trying to figure out how to modify my block yes. to make it a bit higher so that I can I'm working with a lot of electronic you'll see something like very different coming up um, I'm working on something mechanical electronic uh, and programmed so wow. that's yeah it's amazing so in your business do you uh, with the exception, I guess, of the, the last year, do you like to have a schedule as to how your week's planned out or are you responsive to what's coming along? How, what does a week in your business look like normally? Uh, uh, in, normal, uh, in normal times, I would have some orders and uh, I'd be working on that. So like for those, I know that I have to start somewhere and I have to get this end result. Um, so that's what I would normally be doing. So like any other milliner would, you know, they would plan out their, um, okay, I have materials, I have these things, this is what I start on, this is what I block, this is what I do. Um, if I am, uh, but at the same time, I will always be working on a new project once, uh, you know, or doing some research for something else. Yeah. So that, that's what drives me because if I am doing the same thing over and over, that's not me at all. I can't do it. I just can't. I have to, you know, learn something new, do something new. So, yeah. And what's a project that you're working on the moment that you're looking forward to? Okay, uh, so I'm not going to reveal a lot about it. It's uh, for, again, for a competition, it's the Hat Talk competition with a deadline fast approaching. <laughs> I, had, 
had quite a few hiccups in uh, that because the mm, parcels and uh, deliveries got delayed a lot um, because of the COVID situation, because of Brexit and things like that. So um, for that, I took up a totally new, I'm working with my favorite materials, but other than the materials, I again got bored and I wanted to do something totally different. So I wanted to do something kind of like kinetic sculpture, do you know, like, you know, the sculptures that are moving all the time. So I wanted to create something like that, a kinetic sculpture for the head. Um, and uh, because I have no background in mechanical engineering, in electrical engineering, in, uh, you know, any of that stuff, I started with a blank slate, again, like Googling a lot, learning a lot of, about mechanical, how do I convert linear rotation to uh, circular rotation or, you know, something of linear movement to circular movement and um, gears and pulleys and those things. So I, I was learning a, a lot about that. And I was calling my my cousin who uh, he's a telecommunication engineer. He's also not mechanical, but he knows something. So I would always call him up said, you know, I, I've done this bit, but now how do I do this? Because, um, you know, so he would guide me a bit, okay, do this first, then get, tell me where you are and then I'll tell you what to do. So that's how I built upon the mechanical thing. But then I was also looking into, so I want something that is moving, but I didn't want like a crank movement or old school. I wanted then it to be programmed, you know, to, so I was looking into Arduino and my husband saw me uh, looking at like enrolling in a programming course online. And he's like, you think you'll be able to become a programmer and finish this piece in time for this competition. You have to stop, you have to stop. You can't do everything by yourself, outsource. You know, there's something called outsourcing. So, <laughs> so I, uh, I love to collaborate with other people as well, because I love interdisciplinary kind of aspect in so borrowing from different disciplines. Uh, uh, and because, but I have to have a certain understanding of the thing. I can't just outsource everything. So I thought, yeah, that's right. I should outsource. So then I found someone who is really good with programming. So he helped me with the program. And that's because I had sent him my a unit to program and sent it back to me and that was stuck and I was like oh my god I can't do anything I can't test whether what I've created the upper thing with the move you know my piece itself whether it would work in the end or not um, so we did a lot of um, like uh, 3d thing for that and then the programming so so it's going to be a very fun piece a very yeah very fun project I, I loved working on it I don't know how the result is going to be I can't promise anything fabulous because it's still ongoing and I'm nowhere near finished so <laughs> well, we can't it, wait. it might be it might be a total disaster but <laughs> yeah. sounds like such an expository journey along the way that 
it will be interesting to see the outcome anyway yes and through this podcast i would also like to send out the message that i would love to collaborate with people in other disciplines so if you are hearing it if you are a sculptor or if you are a scientist or if you are doing something different unique would like to you know collaborate with a crazy millionaire (laughs) please reach out amazing well it has been so lovely to have you as part of the podcast thank you so much for talking hats with me today (laughs) thank you so much for having me thank you for listening to this episode millinery info with shandana we hope you enjoyed hearing the behind the scenes look at her approach to millinery Head over to our website to see some more images relating to this podcast. I'd like to thank our Patreon podcast sponsors, Be Unique Millinery, House of Adorn, The Essential Hat, That Millinery, Hatter's Millinery Supplies, Lifted Millinery, Hat Academy, Hats by Lico, Hat Mags, Marie D'Antony Millinery, Louise McDonald Milliner, The Millinery Association of Australia, and Judith M. Millinery Supply House. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes, either on your podcast app or through our website. We greatly appreciate their support, so check out these businesses to see what amazing offers they have. If you would like to become a Patreon of Millinery Info, there are two tiers available, and it's a great way to show your support and ensure we can keep producing the content you hear and see on our website. A podcast sponsor, which means your business or event, is mentioned in our podcast. A link included on the Millinery Info website and in the monthly newsletter is from just $15 per month. Or we do have a supporter tier, which is from $5 and a little more than shouting for coffee a month. It's for those who would like to more quietly share their support so we can keep producing this content. If you have any questions about becoming a Patreon, I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, to sign up, visit www.patreon.com forward slash info. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of Millinery Info. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie, and I look forward to talking hats with you again soon.